Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Today is November 23rd. Sitting across the table from Brad Ferris and Chipper Gibbs. We're actually sitting at Chipper's restaurant at Gibbs, which is uh, last time I was here, I was eating a steak. That's right, on the porch. We're actually on the porch here yeah. at Gibbs restaurant. And uh, I saw the funniest thing. Kathy showed me something. Susan, Chipper's wife, sent her about a guy that ate here within the last two weeks. And it was like... Um, Something it was on social media he did about Gibbs store. Do you know what I'm talking about? He had a Gibbs hat on. It was pretty uh, dead gum good, actually. That was unexpected. He could, he could not believe he came down here and how good to – it just sounds like we're trying to be a um, a commercial here for, for Gibbs nah. store. But it, he, people just – when they come down here and they have one of these steaks and his mama's home-cooked sides and yeah. or her recipes, you know, they got people that help, obviously. But yeah, it's a, it's a special place. It really is. The time – last time I came here – um, I took a buddy of mine and his wife that had heard of it but never been here before, and they were like, how do people find this place? Because it's just out, kind of out in this little bitty town of Learned, and then whenever you show up there, I've never not been here, and there not be a crowd of people trying to get in the door. But mm-hmm. um, So this is my plan for getting us into this podcast. I've started doing this lately. I got two short, funny hunting stories that I would like to share with y'all because I just want to get y'all's genuine reaction. Okay. Are they involve you? No, they don't, unfortunately. Uh, so the first one, I know this guy personally, and he's not going to care about me talking about him. Um, buddy of mine named Zach, he was actually on that pheasant trip that I just came off of. And I got to kind of set the stage for you all to understand Zach a little bit, to understand how funny this story is. Zach is one of those guys, like neither of you all know him. Zach lives in Arkansas. But if you met Zach for the first time, y'all would be friends in under five minutes. He's just one of those kind of guys, and he just gets excited about everything. And granted, I'll give him credit. He did good this year, but like last year, he was having a real issue with hitting pheasants because he would get so just fired up. Like he'd be like, dude, I think I'm emptying the gun before I even get it on my shoulder. You know, just <laughs> doom, doom, doom. And he had one of those watches that monitors his heart rate. And you could see, you could look in there when we were hunting, his heart rate would like spike whenever a pheasant got up and he just lose it just you know just get so excited so zach is getting into bow hunting okay and uh this is just i mean this is the prior this is like right before we went pheasant hunting he's bow hunting in arkansas and um like you just keep in mind just how excited he gets right so this deer comes in that he's going to shoot and the deer comes walking slowly like just just a slow steady walk at like 15 20 yards top pin range and zach has been watching this deer you know he has his bow he's standing up he's ready and then he says man i didn't know what to do he wouldn't stop and i, I knew I'd, i was he said all i could think about was i've seen those videos where people you know they make that man noise to stop them and he said i think i was just so keyed up and it was so still when i finally i tried to be real quiet but I ended up going man <laughs> Hey, he had something to turn inside out, probably did. I said, what did the deer do? He said, he ran. <laughs> yep. But, you know, you say that funny, and, and, and we, we've done that too. And just what I what I do now on, a, on those calm days like that, instead of going, man, it just goes. I told him that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it is loud, and you're excited. And when you – oh, I, I remember we had a friend, Jim Kennedy, years ago. We was talking with him in Montana. And I think it was Will that did that he manked at one 
And um, Jim actually got Will a T-shirt made that ain't going to make no more. Because he said it on video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually, because we started uploading those classic hunts to YouTube. Okay. And everyone had been asking for that one specifically. When, when Will made that. When we went, man, he ain't going to make no more. <laughs> yeah. took off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the second story. I'm not going to share this dude's name because he would he would he would get upset with me, but <laughs> it's all right. So this guy, he goes bow hunting. This has been a week. I mean, it's this is all this season. This is recent stuff. And uh, this guy, he he goes on. He you know he's, I've talked to him about hunting before, and he talks about like before this story. I know he was just over the top about his rifle hunting stuff like he talks about his how much times he practices with his 308 and his he uses this kind of ammunition every time and he goes through this uh certain process every time rifle season is coming in make sure everything's checked blah 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 blah. um and so i'm just assuming when he's telling me about his bow hunting trip that the same due diligence is going to be applied to archery because your margin of error is just amplified you know well, he's telling me the story. He's like, yeah, we got up there. It's at my buddy's place. And day breaks. And, it was, you know, it was early October. And so I see a doe coming in. Well, I'm going to shoot this doe. I'm like, you know, I'm following along the story. I'm like, yeah, who wouldn't shoot the doe? Great. And he said, yeah, she gets out there. She's about 38 yards. And I draw back and start to settle the pin and trying to figure out where I want to put the pin. And I'm like, well, this broadhead is probably going to fly low. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Mm. Huh? This is, look, man, I just, have you ever shot the broadhead before? He's like, uh-uh. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> and he said, he said, he said, man, I hadn't shot the broadhead before. And he said, and to be honest, he said, I pulled my bow out of the top of my closet the night before we left. And I said, I was just hoping the thing was still on. Mm. And I was like, you're telling me, Dang. like, after all these stories about how much you practice with your rifle, you just pull your bow out of your closet and go up let's hope for the best i said how'd the shot go he said i was about two feet over her back i was like well at least you didn't injure you know wound her and send her running off yeah it's 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 really not i mean that's important to do that we owe it to to the animals to check that stuff each and every time anyway but how many stories have you heard like that you know yeah somebody's so focused on getting their their gun stuff perfected and then they just and the, the bow needs way more attention than One a gun thing you need all the practice with yeah and 38 yards is i don't know where he was hunting in mississippi that's a pretty that's good a, that's a poke at a doe yeah. yeah that's coiled like a rattlesnake yeah. just don't cut a backflip <laughs> when the bow goes off i was like man and i'm trying like because i i laughed but i was also like dude you can't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of uh that wasn't jordan bliss it was it could have been. <laughs> or Jordan Blissett's dad. Bo Blissett. Bo listens to the podcast now, so we're going to have to cut back on oh, the amount of stories we tell Bo, about him. Mr. Bo's my buddy now. You can't pick on him. <laughs> now, we'll pick on Jordan. We don't worry about him. Yeah, we don't clue, it starts with Jordan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that could have been a Jordan story, especially. Um, could have been me. Speaking of folks that are, like, due diligent about stuff, how's this for a segue? Um, y'all – sent a picture and i thought it was it's worth bringing up because last time we were on here we were talking about it was in the spring we were talking about turkey stuff and we started talking about burning um you were burning like just a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. did you like did all right like walk me through that like i know i remember we talked about fall burning but like did you have a plan written out like how how'd you end up there well first of all i burn whenever i can if i get a good burn day i'm gonna go burn something yeah and brad had been wanting to burn this 
track for quite some time and we got a really good day and he asked me if i'd go help him so we mm-hmm. we went and burned that that's what you saw the other day gotcha. that was basically um an old field that was pretty much infested with bahia grass and yeah. brad went in and killed he treated the field with glyphosate and killed all the bahia and we were basically just burning the the dead grass off the top yeah. of it so this spring you know hopefully the the seed bank will respond and it'll mm-hmm. be a good old field for some turkeys poults and, and it, uh, it definitely it does that burning stuff once you do it like literally if i go to chipper's place unless it's the rut and the humidity's if the humidity's less than 50 percent you're gonna smell smoke on chipper's place <laughs> i'm gonna tell you right now <laughs> anytime you go if i get a burn day in deer season i will light the fire if, if i have a really good fire lane and where it won't where i know it can't get out and it's the conditions are right and it's not dangerous yeah. i'll light it on the way to the deer stand and go hunting while really? the fire's burning i sure yeah. will so, and so and, it, and let it burn slow let it burn but it's hard to find a burn day in 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 november i mean yeah. it's pretty much over with right now till the spring right but, but back in the in the summer i burned a whole lot this podcast is brought to you by OnX hunt the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. Doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing, it does not matter. We don't go a day without using Onyx Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates so go and check out the onyx hunt app today use the promo code primos 20 to get 20 percent off your onyx hunt membership how, how long have you been doing that like being that intensive about burning it's gotten more every year because gotcha. i've learned more about it but i've and, been and doing chippers, that on my place for a while well chippers taught me this and i want you to tell i think for people listening to this this, this was an eye-opener for me um when you and Marcus, um, Marcus Lashley, Lashley, yeah. he, he when he was here with you, this was after turkey season. It was, I it was late June when he okay. was here. Well, tell me about what you and him did. He showed you, you marked off an area that you had just burned, and and you counted how many insects or something. There was something about that one area where he showed you. This is why turkeys almost are back in here when the smoke it was, stops. It was unbelievable when he started showing me all of the the potential turkey food in a square foot a section foot. on the okay. ground or just mm-hmm. just throw a ring down on the ground and and count the dead insects the roasted blackberries the the grass seeds the you name it anything that a turkey would eat yeah. was was in that on top of the ground exposed after the fire burned all the litter off the ground right so that that really opened my eyes up and and really i guess you could say i've known marcus for several years now you know he was at mississippi state now he's mm-hmm. at the university of florida but i really got into it when i started listening to him because he he just knows so much about it yeah his, well he's the life. reason he ended up on this podcast you introduced mm-hmm. me to him yeah super interesting guy knows his stuff and he's his research is basically geared around the timing of fire at different times of the year and how the plants respond to fire at different times of the year mm-hmm. and and you know at the end of the day you burn when you get a good burn day and i think by virtue of the fact that you're not going to get a bur- good burn day but every so often that's going to build diversity into your land because you're going to have a certain amount of burn days all throughout the year and you're going to have 
yeah. different burns at different times of the year at different fire intensities and and the burns don't have to be real big either they can mm-hmm. be you know most of my burns are from two to five acres in a lot of cases right but that creates so much different patchwork and How, like do you think that had something to do with you noticing quail pop up on your it's places got to. i would say so it's if i had to guess to. I think, you know, we opened up the canopy a lot. We did some patchwork clear cuts where we, we have a lot more open area now on a place that's scattered around. And, and that burning is just creating the perfect the perfect situation for quail and, and turkeys. And I don't even know where the quail came from because for the last 15 years or so, you couldn't find a bobwhite quail around here. Well, that was going to be my question: is if they, if you had ever known of them being there before you started doing. I all saw that. some quail when I was a little boy, but from that point to, you know, now they're pretty much non-existent. And but you know, Will, it just goes to show about habitat. I mean, this is a and Will did a t- total opposite for what Chipper did because he was in the Delta, and he went in there. He always had, there would always be a few quail, just a handful of them mm-hmm. in one little spot. And he went in there, took some crop fields, and put them into native grasses. Mm-hmm. And actually noticed a few more quail. Then he took it to the next level, and he actually started poisoning ants on a 1,000 acres from an airplane. Mm-hmm. You know, putting out the same kind of stuff you put in your yard. Right. And he did a little experiment. And the, the amount of quail, if I remember right, like you, we've talked about this mm-hmm. with Will, I think they found either 14 or 16 coveys one day it was impressive yeah i mean it just goes to show if you do it and something else chipper's done he's done such a good job with his habitat he's having to kind of redo things to hunt his deer because his deer don't <laughs> come out in the food plots it's crazy because they get so much native browse yeah my yeah. deer hunting has gotten twice it's gotten exponentially harder because of the, the amount of food in the woods and they they get up and they don't have to travel anywhere to find right something to eat you know so it's it's really made deer hunting a challenge, but it's kind of cool though. But you you definitely but the trade off the tra- yeah. is you enjoy doing this kind of stuff and and seeing quail. To me, I, I don't even have any intention of ever hunting a quail. I just like seeing them. Yeah. But we're seeing them more and more frequently. Um, Henry saw he was walking into a deer stand the other day and he saw a, a covey that and he Henry's, says that's Chipper's that's oldest, my son. oldest son. Yeah. He's, right. he's fifteen. But he saw a covey that jumped up in front of him. He said it was 10 or 12 birds. I saw one off the tractor, ran them up in front of me on the tractor going mm-hmm. up my main gravel road, and it was four or five birds in that one that I saw. Yeah. And then I saw another bunch up towards the front of our place, and it would really be neat to get somebody that knew what they were doing with a dog to walk around out there and see how many they could find. I know somebody to, with a dog. Do you? Yeah. A good, a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. But you know what? When Will was hunting those quail, when that when they would hunt them, they would they wouldn't shoot more than two or three yeah, in a covey. In a covey, and they wouldn't go hunt a single. So they yeah. were basically going and initially shoot them, and then then just leave them be. And yeah. um, just when there's not a lot there, you know. Cause yeah. I don't I don't know anything about quail. I mean, this is all new to me. I just am listening to what the experts are saying. But well, tell I'm, them tell them about not to cut you off but you i mean you're sitting there talking about quail and i love quail because we don't see them so it's neat to see them but what you did to the turkeys is what some is every bit as impressive as a quail to me i mean you went from having just a handful of turkeys to how many poults did you figure you had conservatively it was somewhere between 30 and 50 depending on depending on whether or not it was hard for me to tell whether we were duplicating some of it but and they were all at flying stage yeah you know all the ones we saw were actually flying so hopefully 
a good many of them made it. And um, I did see some grown uh, poults, you know, late summer, early fall that, that were, you know, pretty much grown. Mm-hmm. And so I know some of them made it. And I guess point being is as we've gotten older and, you know, it's fun to take a place and see it. Used to is all about shooting a deer or turkey. Now it's just as much fun to, it's, it's, we've turned hunting into more of a year round, mm-hmm. yes. you, you know, pro, I'm going to say not program, but it's just a year round. Hunting's year round to us now. Land yeah. management. Land you know. management, hunting, whatever you want to call it. But just to, and, and to do these little things and you say, man, if I go plant these trees, I'm never going to see this or da, da, da. I said, five years ago, buy that quick. Yeah. And I mean, if you have a place that you can do that, it's, yes. it's so it's satisfying and rewarding just to, to see that come to life, you know, see stuff happen. Well, and, I, and the only reason I really mentioned the quail is it's, for one thing, it's neat. But the second thing is it's, it's an indication to mm-hmm. me that things are going in the right direction. That's the you first know? thing. I, my back Way back in my Mississippi State student days, they referred to quail as an indicator species yes. of, of habitat health. If you got some quail, you know something's got to be going in the right direction. For, like really in the right direction. Yeah. Right. For the turkeys are absolutely benefiting from the yeah. the type veg, vegetation type we're creating with the fire, which yeah. you know I'm burning a lot of stuff. And and I'll tell you this right now, something I'm learning on my place is the soil is so productive. You're finding out that on your place, right? Where where usually you know people say a three-year fire return interval in a lot of places i mean two years if, if you let a sweet gum go on my place in two years it's 10 feet tall yeah. so you really need to watch that and you can almost burn every other year on a lot of those sites yeah. because they're so productive mm-hmm. and and that's the only bad thing about burning is once you start it you can't you, you can't, can't really stop let it go because yeah. if you let it go and you start getting a little delinquent and getting back in there you're going to have some problems with mm-hmm. some heart, sweet gums and stuff that'll yeah. – n- then the fire won't kill it, and you may have to use some chemicals and, chemicals stuff. and stuff like that, <laughs> which is okay, too. Laugh. Chipper ain't going to – he, Chipper ain't going to – he going to run out of stuff to burn before he neglects <laughs> his burn. <laughs> it just makes me – because, like, well, I'm echoing what Marcus was saying, but, like, I've had – I've had – Marcus has been on the podcast twice since Chipper introduced me to him because the first time I interviewed him, I was like, holy smokes, this guy has a lot of interesting information. But he was talking about, I think the it was the last one, I think, time he was on here. And, like, the main message of his, what he was putting out that time was basically saying trapping is good, but it does not outweigh the benefits of a healthy habitat, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, that's what I'm hearing from you. I mean, like, that, that kind of pulse success is insane. You don't hear stuff like that. You definitely don't hear about – I mean, you're not only seeing quail, like you've noticed an increase in them since you started seeing them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's insane. Like, truly it is. I don't know. I mean, like, quail are a story for the past in a lot of places yeah. in Mississippi for the most part, sadly. Well, there's so many things. And when people talk about turkeys not being what they were, you know, pine timber's not being managed as intensely as it was because it's mm-hmm. not bringing the money it used to bring. So people aren't burning. They're not doing the stuff they used to do 20, 25 years right. ago in the pine stands i mean nobody hardly from a forestry standpoint you don't hardly ever have a chemical application in a pine stand or or burn on a regular basis do you no i mean it's not in our parts anyway i mean i'm just saying around our core area where we spend most of our time you don't see a lot of it right Um, no it's it's encouraging though too though i think i think prescribed fire is catching on a little bit better because you know when i call and get a burn permit a lot of times on a good burn day, I'll be like the 10th or 12th or 15th person that's gotten a permit, which that to yeah. me is 
it's a it's a hundred percent started to grow in popularity i think it's a, a combination of people putting education out like like uh marcus has that university of florida deer lab that they have it's like their social media platform they're always putting out educational material that's interesting you know right. it's not like watching paint dry it's interesting stuff well you got three or four guys out there that that i've listened to now that have so many 15 20 years of data that they can go back and tweak and look at and make decisions on that we didn't have and, and mm. one common thing is fire in every one of them yeah yeah if you listen to them transferring over shortly like we you know we've been talking about kind of chipper has this place that he's been working on and tweaking on and having fun on and watching it change and grow whereas like you you just got a new place right yeah kathy and i we bought a place and moved actually moved on it this summer and um it's been fun putting it together you know just 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 spending time planning it out is my favorite part it's mm -hmm. like and, and i've taken it to the next level almost to where being quiet is like i'm so paranoid about spooking a deer <laughs> like i went squirrel hunting one day and i spooked like five or six deer and it's one bottom and i ain't squirreling no more cause i don't want to spook no more deer <laughs> me and jordan gave him so much grief about that about his, but I get it. It's just funny. Like yeah, you can't, you can't stand it. Like, no more squirrel hunting. <laughs> Sanctuary only. Yeah. Well, I'm getting some pictures of some nice deer, and um, you know, it's so hard. Once you spook them one time, to me, that's, you, you know, you got certain areas that you need to go, that you can go in, and certain areas that you don't ever need to go in, in my opinion, during the hunt season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one rule I have is, you know, once I plant the last food plot that i don't do any other gas vehicles i'm mm -hmm. electric only um you know in the summertime it's nice to spray with a ranger pellets ranger with a you know spray on the back is convenient you can do it when it's wet but come once the food plots are done that's it just take the I, I, i'm electric yeah. only from then on and um you know you're still gonna spook some deer you just as you as you hunt five year old plus deer you have to you have to treat them differently than a you know Mm -hmm. if you want to see them in the daylight yeah. in our part of the world definitely um you know it's i've always said people say well i want to go to illinois hunting or iowa or kansas and and the deer i'm not trying to take away anybody that kills deer there i don't mean this in a negative way but i've hunted there enough to know you can watch the same mature buck just about almost every day in some places when the rut gets here in mississippi you might not yeah. like i got several deer now that i would shoot on our new place but not one picture in the daytime you might not see everything him, at night yeah. you may not move but one, it's just different. one good day and why yeah. i'm not saying they're smarter than the other deer it's, it's the habitat it's the, the weather whatever it's just different it's different different yeah and um I one mean, of my problem is on on my place in particular and yours probably same way it's almost a guessing game on trying to figure out where they're bedding all the time because they they the deer have so many options yep. to, to bed literally wherever they want to and and that's that's an issue when you're trying to to you know ambush a deer with a bow i mean it's it's hard to hard to find that spot to where and the wind here is so unpredictable you yep. know the, the wind will give you a forecast and then you know for the first 30 45 minutes of the hunt it may be blowing the opposite direction oh and then it's gosh, gonna turn around yeah. and blow and and it really the wind i think is a huge factor in us and i don't know whether it's we're so influenced by the gulf of mexico all the time yeah. or, or what it is but mm. you don't have very many days where you have that front pass through and you got that straight north wind um or you got a front coming and you got a mm -hmm. southeast wind that's pushing yeah. hard against the front steady 
And I and, and one thing I've done, and, and I got a lot of tweaking to do because I hadn't I hadn't spent a whole hunting season on our place yet, is, and I learned this from hunting in, in Illinois. We had a lease up there years and years ago. With you know, we hunted there every year with Primos. We'd go spend the you know two or three weeks in November there, but I got everything set up to hunt on ridges. Yeah, that's where I hunt. I don't, I don't ever hunt in the bottom because the wind's Swirling. so because the wind's swirly. yeah, and um and it's a lot easier to get around on ridges than it is you know going in a bottom, getting yep. back out of a bottom. It's just midday if you're checking cameras. I'd rather typically I found the deer are mostly bedded in those little cuts and stuff in those bottoms where the cane is, and that's typically where they are. Yeah, in the drains and, and, and ditches. And then I can you know I can move around during the middle of the day without with this least amount of yeah a lot less intrusive yeah right? than, than any other way mm-hmm. um so that in in cutting timber i want to cut some timber and i want to do some stuff with chipper forest tsi timber stand improvement yeah. where we go what we're going to do as soon as we can after hunting season and it greens back up is i want to go is a bunch of beech trees mm-hmm. and beech is probably the worst wood according to foresters and i'm not a forester but i know none of them say look you we don't cut many beech trees because the wood's real you know it's it's a lot of times they're hollering it's really regular and and they say if you want to just do habitat stuff start with your beech trees mm. they're pretty i kind of hate to do it because they are ain't nothing prettier than a beech tree with them mm-hmm. brown leaves on it well but in your particular case you have enough really big ones you could you could save a lot of those big character trees that are you know squirrel right. dens and stuff like that and it's really those small mid-story beaches that are taking up catching so much sunlight you could kill those and it wouldn't it wouldn't matter at all because you got plenty of those big old ones. I'm gonna be like Chipper. You, you see Chipper in the summertime. He walk around with a hatchet and a squirt bottle in his back pocket. <laughs> I'm looking for something. Cute. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, that's gonna be me next year. <laughs> that's I'm curious. I mean, it's fun to bring y'all on here and talk about that stuff because both of y'all just think about the. I don't know. It's like it's like it's like a folks that went to high school and college with that they always wanted to be working on their car. That's how y'all are with your property. Like, y'all are always tweaking on something. Y'all are always thinking about something else. Or if I do this, if I burn here, if I try this habit. So it's it's interesting, especially because, like I said, it's the two contrasting things now. You've had a property you've been working on for years. Brad has a place that he's just starting, that he's just gotten. Yeah. The More second he got it, it's like you can look at Brad and see his wheels turning about all the things he wants to do on that place. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what Brad has done with that property in just six months. In that short period of time. I mean, you, the pictures he's showing me and everything, I mean, there's... Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just the fun of doing it, though, yeah. you know? It's, like you said, and then when you do that hard work, and I, I mean, I was cutting firewood in July this year. That's how much, you know, that's how much I enjoy doing stuff on the place. And, and I had made some new food plots. So I had a few oak trees I had to take out, and so I saved those. And so I, that's anyway. Yeah, I, I wasn't cutting firewood, say in July. Just, you must have really been looking for something to do. It was that hot, day. boy. He's trying to get outside. Yeah, okay. You <laughs> you can't stay outside too much, and I just love a fire so much. But um, it's it's a good way to end the day, come in from hunting and have a have a nice fire. But um, like I hunted yesterday afternoon in a, in a plot I made on a ridge, yeah. and I saw eight deer. Two were two and a half year old bucks, and the rest were does and yearlings. So that was a fun little hunt. You know, we had the yeah. front come through. Lake and I are going when we leave your store. We're going out to to hunt out there this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just interesting now. So much data out there on how you can learn how to like Chipper said burning stuff. I mean, he's teaching me. I've never done a lot of burning and and kill trees with with chemical. You know, mm-hmm. to be this versus I love cutting timber because you know you can't cut too much timber. Well, I guess you can, but yeah, people and, and when we show people land on our whitetail property side of things, and 
everybody wants a big, pretty hardwood place. Well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the uglier a place is, the more game it's going to have. Yeah, the more huntable it is. <laughs> Diversity, yeah. yeah. Um, so you just got to have that. You got to kind of have a, a good mix of it. Chipper has perfected the the mix of the pretty stuff and the, the ugly stuff. Ugly meaning the habitat. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't know that I've perfected it, but I'm I'm trying. Well, I mean, you, I'm, you, you. I'm, I really enjoy doing it. And, yeah. Um, well, let I, me say all the all the critters that call your place home should appreciate you. I know <laughs> that. Well, I have to think. I mean, like, and I'm not. I'd have to think that's part of the reason why y'all have been able to do so well with the whitetail property stuff. Because like, y'all are, y'all get so excited about that stuff. If y'all are like looking at, I've been I've been with y'all before when y'all are looking at a property. I think I think if I went with y'all somewhere like in Arkansas or something. Yeah, on that. River and place. it's like yep. y'all can't help it. No one's asking you to talk about habitat stuff, but both of y'all are like, oh man, if you were to do some timber and sand improvement in there, it just like it just oozes out of y'all because yeah. it's what y'all think about. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely something that me and him both get excited about. And and when you take somebody and you you explain to them and show them stuff that you've done or give them suggestions on stuff you can do. You know, anytime you buy land, you want to be able to, you definitely don't want to pay too much for it on the front end or, you know, you might not get a return on the back end. But if you can take something that's just average and put a lot of sweat into it, you can turn it into above average. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about Mother Nature is people got to realize is you can't rush her. No. You on her clock, and her clock moves way slower than our clock. That's one of the <laughs> hardest things today is, you know, first of all, love introducing, you know, new people to a new piece of land. I mean, that's that's a major um, part of enjoying our occupation every day, but it, it, it does require patience. And that's that's we're in a society in a time where people expect things instantly. It's an instant and, gratification world. And, you know, if you're going to go in and, and, and burn a block or do some kind of TSI or whatever – it's going to take mm-hmm. a year or two for it to really start flourishing. Mm-hmm. You know, once you start letting the sunlight hit the ground, and and it it it's going to take some years to get a place looking just like you want it. But you know that's the fun of it. I you mean, know, it's like you, do you it. almost got to plan on three on any kind of whether you're cutting timber, whether you're chemical killing timber, whatever you do, it's, you're looking at about a three year window before you can start really. I think seeing so that too. Yeah. And and in a lot of these stands and what I'm doing on my places, I got some stands that fire I haven't burned frequently enough and I got some six to eight ten inch sweet gums under, you know, some thirty year old pines and I'm gonna go in there and chemically kill as many of those bigger sweet gums as I can before <laughs> I use fire because the fire's not gonna kill those big big right, trees yeah. it may damage them under but if if you get a fire hot enough to damage those particular trees you're probably going it's probably either too dangerous to burn or either yeah. you're going to hurt something else it's hurting more than you need to yeah so yeah is it, it just because on that as a tree gets bigger the bark gets thicker yeah it's just harder to kill a bigger tree gotcha. but um some of these stands will require you to go in and do a little bit of work possibly a year ahead of burning it you know if you want to really do it do it right because the seed bank's going to respond better with more sunlight you have hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all about the sun and, and the dirt, sun hitting the ground. Yep. And, um, but I think I think burning right before turkey season, though, is a great time, too. I mean, it's going to attract turkeys. and Got that magnet know. effect, what Marcus calls Marcus it. Marcus tells me that where they do a lot of their burn research, they'll have turkeys jump in the fire lane to get in the burn mm-hmm. after it with the smoke still mm-hmm. going is that everywhere because those turkeys they're so used to okay. it and they know that's a food source and they get in there and scratch around and fire is part of their life every day and yeah. um 
I fully believe, you know, if turkey season opens up on a Saturday, you can go in there and burn on a Wednesday or Thursday, and I guarantee you there's going to be turkeys in there if they're, you know, right there in the area. Oh, yeah. They're going to go to it. I've hunted a place that shall remain nameless, but we got on turkeys, and there was there were still embers burning. Mm-hmm. Smoke. I mean, the place, the whole place was smoky, and there's turkeys, and they're just ripping it. You know, t- talking about that, and, and on some people – Want to know well, how do I do this? Say if I got a hundred acres, or if I got two hundred acres, or if I got fifty acres. Well, kind of what I've, and I don't know from a, you know, from a um, biologist standpoint, if it's if if everybody would like this, but to me on small acreage, if you go say you thinned, say you got let's just say you got a hundred acres, and you go in there and you thin fifty of it, you're gonna have some good hunting for five, six, seven years. But then it's gonna start shading over again. Then you got to cut your other fifty. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're going to be out of cutting for a long time. Right. So I'd rather go in there on that 100 and cut maybe, say, 20 acres in four different clear cuts strategically. And then you could about every three to five years go in there with a helicopter. And you say, oh, that's going to be expensive. It's, it's really not that expensive to spray with a helicopter. And set it back. When I mean set it back, then you kill. You, you got your structure there. You get the sun back to the ground and it starts back over. So I, I think that's a good plan for small acreage yeah. long term. Mm-hmm. And you can strategically put your food plots and cut your, you know, your your sanctuary areas, as I'm going to call them, where you want them yeah. and keep them that way. So just a suggestion. that I, I get that question a lot. Well, what do I do on this? And I think that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. That's what major. I mean, because most people, the pool, out of the pool that are landowners, and y'all know this, most of them are smaller acreage owners, and that's a question that I, we see that all the time. What can I do on 100 acres, 50 yeah. acres, 40, you know, that sort of thing. Well, you could do the same thing. I mean, and I like that plan on if you got a 1,000 acres, and if you want to set it up right. Yep. And then, um, of course, you're going to need to probably do some timber work, especially if you got much pine on there because it takes pretty aggressive cutting and grows good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just get excited talking about land and how to do it. And then you That's start. what I know. Is like I don't want to cut you short, but I know we got to get moving because we got to hunt this afternoon, yep. you know. So, yeah, I appreciate y'all guys uh, letting me crash your party and talk to y'all about people, man, that deer too loudly and making them running off. and Ain't going to make no more, right? Guesswork at Broadheads. <laughs> yeah, ain't going to make no more. Well, it's um, like this. We, we're into Thanksgiving week now, and I know on the Primo side, Lake, we're going to be – me, you, Jordan, Troy, Jimmy. Yeah. Maybe we can get Will to come around a time or two and, and deer hunt. He's so much into shooting shotguns now, it's hard to get him in a deer stand mm-hmm. anymore. But um, after this week's up, we'll have to hit Kudzu Bluffs wide open. It's about we, to be go time. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be some – got some good hunting good hunting time ahead of us I'll for sure. i tell you what, it's getting there. Yeah. Um, it's it's really getting there. We got um, – actually, I know this sounds crazy, but um, we, we hunted yesterday afternoon and – one person hunting with us had two pretty nice bucks actually grunting pushing a doe around which i was i've never even i've seen some small bucks kind of hassling some does this time of year in our area but never anything like that i don't understand what's going on with that and i know where y'all hunt up at kudzu bluff that rut happens a little bit earlier than december 7th is when they they were were wide open december 7th 7th. yeah running every which way that's a solid two week two to three weeks before our peak right yeah. around in there that's when uh jimmy shot a buck that we grunted in and as we're like at the deer like i'm filming jimmy at the deer two bucks they were three-year-old deer chased a doe 50 yards right behind us i'm like gracious it's wide open you know mm-hmm. and then you get like where we 
hunted last year like at Swamp Donkey in Togo. You know, you're looking mm-hmm. at Christmas to New Year's peak of the road. The, the deer we killed at Togo last year, you and I did, that was January. That's right. It was early January. It was like first or second. Or second or third. Yeah. yeah first. Yeah, right, right there at there. the early part of it. So. And you grunted him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just a point being that's three weeks difference. Yeah. And, and 60 miles. <laughs> I yeah. think the I think the, the whole state of Mississippi has a pretty wide, uh, you know, variance on when the rut happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of the guys at the Deer Lab at Mississippi State can tell you more about that, about what causes all that and everything. Well, but it's it's, well, it's usually like clockwork every year, though. It's going to happen at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, so. Well, maybe maybe. Maybe ours this year will be start December 7th and end January 7th. I'd be all right with that, too. That'd be great. They just stay, the windows stay open. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll start at your new place on today, November 23rd. But you never know. You yeah. never know. <laughs> well, we, we, it's, it's a new day every day there. We don't know what to expect. So that's that's also a fun time when you're hunting a new place is figuring it out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's get our stuff and see if we can talk chip out of a hamburger and then we'll go. Go hunting. Ooh, I, I like we, that. I think we can find one in there somewhere. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We'll catch y'all back here next week. Brad, Chipper, thank y'all. Um, and as always, thank y'all for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Thank you, mate.